You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, it's kind of a twofold thing here. Number one, I'd kind of like to mix it up. I don't really want to dive into another team as of right now. Also, I'd like to get on the road as soon as possible, so I'm going to make this almost sort of a mini episode. If we make it to 30 minutes, I'll be, uh, I'll be pretty happy. But a couple other things I wanted to explore and uh, clarify, and that'll be about that, because I want to get on the road. But before we get there, be sure to check out the links in the description. You can buy yourself some sweet t-shirts, get yourself a koozie, so when you're sitting out on your, your porch in the blazing heat with a nice cool beverage, whatever that might be, like a sweet tea or whatever, I don't know. My brain is just flipped to, to southern stuff. Everything is grits, biscuits, and gravy, and sweet tea. That's pretty much all I'm thinking about right now. Things that I can't really get in Wisconsin. But whatever it is, you just pop it in that sweet little Packernet koozie. Um, as far as Patreon is concerned, I did upload the um, the Excel spreadsheet that has every single pick. So if you want to know you know, the, the production of pick 45 in the draft, it's on there. right? 1 through 256, I have... Over the last 10 years, how many total snaps from each of the last 10 players picked at whatever pick you want to see, what are the total snap counts? And I'd like to add some other stuff, but the fact of the matter is pretty much everything beyond this is manual entry. So maybe over time I'll work on that, but there is a lot, a lot, a lot of work beyond what I've already done. But it's still, it, it gives you a pretty cool little, and I, again, I've got the graphs and everything, but it's the snap counts, how many Pro Bowls, and then how many All Pros, which... It's kind of useless because there's just basically a couple here and there and then not much. But it is kind of interesting to see. And, and again, it, it for me anyways, it just kind of gave some perspective. Kind of, kind of twofold perspective, first of all. Number one, the fact that you can't really guarantee in, in the thought that we're going to have like four or five, six really good picks out of this draft is a little bit unfair of our expectations. But secondly, showing kind of how not different, you know, one pick to the next is. Um, I kind of went through, and you can almost build tiers, you know, like from from one to six is kind of really solid, and then from like seven to 15, there's just like a doldrum, just a dead zone. And then it pops back up from like 16 to 25 or something. But then you've got sort of these, you know, I don't know, you can kind of build rough ideas of tiers of, of where things are. We usually think in terms of rounds, but that's not usually, at least according to the thing I built, where the the line is drawn. Actually, I think it might have even been, there's one at like 21, which is funny because the Packers jumped up to 21. So they just crossed that threshold. But I mean, it, it's fun. If, you're, if your brain works like I work, you're going to enjoy it. Being able to visualize things in a sort of linear mathematical sense, analyze and look at the draft and what each pick represents, or at least has historically produced. But again, that's on Patreon. Um, you can support the podcast. That's the money that's going to go toward you know buying all the things I need for this podcast, whether it's Game Pass, uh, PFF Elite, the PFF giveaway I'm doing is going to come out of there. 
it helps to pay for whatever expenses I have for the podcast, which I think I've done a good job of keeping it relatively low. I've seen what other pe- people start podcasts spending more money than I've ever spent on this podcast, including premium stuff. Like, I'm about to start my podcast, I just gotta build a basement real quick and, like, put up decorations, even though it's not a video, but I feel like I need to be in this cool Joe Rogan studio for whatever reason, and then, then we'll see if I get it. People are crazy, man. Anyways... If you would like to support my binge eating habits on vacation, there's also a PayPal and Venmo uh, donation. We got a place with a kitchen, so in my mind, I'm going to eat like ham and cheese sandwiches and be responsible, but I feel like maybe that isn't going to happen very much. I'm not sure. I'm kidding, but not really. Uh, make sure you get into the Packernet Facebook group. I really do enjoy the Facebook group. That's that's become a pretty awesome thing. I've run a couple other Facebook uh, groups, and it's just it's not great. One of them... That has, I don't know, like 4,000 people I'm about to just delete because it's boring me. The NFL draft one is okay, but, you know, not draft time, nobody talks. This is not Packer time, everybody's still talking, and I like it. It's good, positive discussion. I haven't seen anything super crazy as of now. Uh, If you're interested in the 2020 NFL draft, make sure you check out NFLBigBoard.com. I've got, uh, at the very least, what it is that you've uh, come to know and love already up, which is the Big Board also got highlight videos, um, their game film on YouTube, as well as their news from Roto World, all the links just right there. It's just more convenient than anything. I know you know how to Google stuff, but it really is nice when you're just kind of running through NFL Big Board, and it's like, oh, this guy, I want to check him out. Boom, click, and it just takes you there. I'm still trying to figure out what else I want to do with it. I've got 60 billion ideas because that's just, you know, that's just what happens. Got to flush it out. If you have any questions, please call or text 608 Finally, Pro Football Focus, if you'd like to buy one, there is a link for 15% off. It's an affiliate link, so everybody involved is helped. Outside of that, though, the biggest way that you can help this channel, well, there's two ways. Number one is to help me promote the channel by just talking about it, whether it's on Twitter. I just saw somebody post it in the Facebook group. There was a Reddit thread about the podcast. That's awesome. Stuff like that. For the most part, I've found that when people find the podcast, they like the podcast, most people just can't find it. The other way to do that is an iTunes rating and review. The more of those things we get, the easier it is to find when people type in Packers. It just moves my podcast up. Um, also, for those that don't know, if if and when we get to 200 iTunes reviews, we're about 18 away, somebody is going to be getting a PFF Edge subscription. If you do leave me a five-star review, send me a screenshot of the five-star review. I'll enter you into the pool and then we'll have the uh, the giveaway daily. I suppose the other thing you could do to help out would be to actually subscribe to my podcast. I know probably still the majority of you are listening to my podcast on the custom Green Bay Packers talk radio podcast with the green and yellow striped thing. And again, if you'd rather just do that, that's fine. But iTunes, Google, all these things can actually see how many listens and downloads my podcast is getting. And if you're not actually listening to mine through my podcast, nobody cares iTunes doesn't care, Google doesn't care, Stitcher doesn't care. They see all the reviews and they think, yeah, but nobody's actually listening because they don't know that everybody's nobody's listening. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I still get the downloads through his podcast. That doesn't hurt me. I would just like to actually see my podcast raised through the ranks and that would help me a little bit. Whatever you want to do, just a thought. All right, let's take a break. I need to not be so ranty today because I got to get going. Take a break and we'll just talk about stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So first of all, and this isn't really anything as far as commentary, but OTAs start next week, man. And I know they don't super matter, but it's crazy because in my mind it was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the offseason. Once OTAs start, I'm, I'm kind of through it. Like, for me, the Packers season starts when we have a glimpse of the 2019 Packers doing stuff. When we have reports of this guy got injured, this guy looks really good, this guy looks like garbage, and then I get to come on here and say, hey, none of that matters because it's OTAs. But it's, it's still, it's, it's exciting. Um, apparently, three practices are open uh, to the public. So as far as the ones that are open to the public, which those are the really fun ones, because not only does the media have access, but you get some of those, like, you know, video footage that I don't think people are supposed to take, but they do, and they throw it up on Twitter. And by the way, if somebody does that, please tag me so I can immediately see it. I just don't want to miss it. But uh, next Tuesday, May 21st, is the first one that's open to the public. That's pretty exciting. Uh, Wednesday, May 29th, and then Tuesday, June 4th. All the practices start around noon. And uh, the full schedule is thusly. OTAs will be May 28th, or will continue. This article doesn't make a lot of sense. But May 28th, 29th, 30th, June 3rd through the 6th. After that, June 11th, three days of mandatory minicamp. Then we get a little bit more of a pause, a little bit more of a break. But then uh, July 25th is when training camp starts. That's sort of the next step. It's, it's funny because each one of the steps, what happens is OTAs happen, people get excited, and then the sort of, you know, the people that want to sound smart by telling you you're dumb, even though they're telling everybody something that everybody already knows, those people chime in. And say, it's just OTAs, man. It doesn't matter. Wait till training camp. Then when training camp comes and you get excited, those same people come back and say, training camp doesn't matter. Wait till the preseason. And then the same thing happens again. When preseason comes, everyone gets excited. It doesn't matter. Wait till the regular season. And then you still have the whole September football thing. Well, we don't know anything until... That game never ends, by the way. Those people are just those people, and that's how they live their entire life. All the way through the end of the season, nothing matters. Nothing matters until the actual final game. Whatever the final game happens to be, the game that officially eliminates you from the playoffs, the game that locks you into the playoffs, the game that eliminates you from the playoffs, and a Super Bowl victory are basically the only games that those people care about. Because those are the only ones that are definitive, and you're not allowed to speculate about anything, even though they speculate all the time. But that's not the point. Again, the point is for you to look dumb so that they can look smart. Because that's what people with high self-esteem and lots of confidence do. Sorry, I'm not trying to be bitter, I'm just saying. It just comes down to how you say it. I'm going to say it on the podcast, but it's meant to be sort of educational, not like, hey, you're dumb, and I'm a genius, even though this is not actually genius-level thinking. This is just kind of one-on-one stuff, which is why it's a good idea for it to be informational as opposed to look how much of a genius I am, because it just makes you look dumb when you think you're a genius for saying dumb things. What was I saying about not ranting again? I forget. Anyways, let's move on. Anyways, uh, I, I had mentioned... Uh, I don't know, two, three days ago, somebody had asked a question about, I forget who it was. Tremont is the one that was asked about, would it make sense to cut Tremont? I added in Brian Balaga, and my my main thought was, it doesn't really make sense unless we need the money now. Because they're free agents next year, it doesn't help us next year. And really, the only thing that it's going to do next year, unless there's guaranteed money left over, which really probably isn't going to be the case, but the only reason I bring it up is, if you cut somebody prior to June 1st, 
the prorated money accelerates into this year's cap, meaning next year you have nothing left to pay. Basically, any remaining money just accelerates so that you do not have a cap hit in 2020, which is obviously a good thing. If you're going to get rid of somebody, do it now, prior to June 1st. Take the cap hit. And it's not its not even a cap hit now. It's, it's technically a cap hit because it's money you're paying that isn't going to be on the field, but it's still a cap savings overall. right? It, it's like owing 10000 on your car and selling it for 15000 The way that they would they would call that a $10 million cap hit, but we still got $5,000... I'm getting my millions and thousands confused, but you get the point. 10000 of that you're not getting, that's your cap hit. 5000 is still your savings. That's the money you got back from the sale. But then you owe nothing next year. People always love the post-June 1st because it's like, ooh, then you save more money. Well, that's true, but the reason you're saving more money in 2019 is because you have to pay it in 2020. So you're not actually saving the money. You're just delaying paying it. And the problem is, in, in my mind, the way that I think, at least financially, is that 2019 is good. We did our job financially. We're, we're, we're doing great. We got $9 million over the over the you know the cap. Next year, we don't know what exactly is going to happen. There could be things that we're not expecting, even though we have a plan. If we're going to cut somebody and we have the opportunity to save some of next year's money, let's just do it. Let's just pay it now. Let's use today's money. to, to It's essentially transferring money today into 2020 is, is, is exactly what we're doing. We're taking some of our cap and pushing it into next year. And any opportunity we have to do that, I would like to do that. Once that June 1st, um, you know, designation or whatever, once we cross the June 1st deadline, then it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, if we cut somebody, it, it helps us today by freeing up, you know, a bunch of cap space. But then next year, as long as we cut them before they get their, you know, so if there's a bonus like in March or whatever that they need to get paid, as long as we cut them before then, it, it doesn't make any difference. It's the same amount of money. Obviously, if we pay them that or just continue paying them, it becomes a bigger problem for, for 2020. But it's kind of a separate issue. So anyways, before we get to June, I just want to look at a couple of people that I, you know, again, I don't think there's going to be any crazy roster changes or anything, but a few different things, especially since there's not going to be that much practice, but I just listed a couple practice dates. Maybe they're going to see enough just to make sure that things are on the up and up before they move on. Some of these don't make sense because we did pay them their their uh, roster bonus or whatever it was in, in February, March, whenever. Yeah, March 15th is when those those bonuses go out. But still, I mean, things happen. You you pay somebody their multi-million dollar roster bonus because you're not sure what's going to happen. And then you have your draft and things change and you feel confident with the guys. So you decide to cut them to save some money, lots of money this year and then a little bit extra next year as well. So I just want to list a few of those people and just kind of give the overall cap implications. Again, I, I don't really want any of this to happen. It's just just something to think about. And again, I'm leaving out people that are free agents next year because it doesn't really make a difference. I guess I don't have to do that. I'm intending this to be more of a cap conversation about what we can save specifically for 2020 prior to... Yeah, I'll stick with the format. So again, Mike Daniels, I'm not going to mention... Because he's a free agent next year. Meaning cutting him today or trading him today doesn't save us any money in 2020. It would just it would save us $8.3 million this year, which is cool. But again, what in the world are we going to do with it? Other than if we trade him for somebody else and then we want to offer that person a massive contract. Which would be a fun little exercise to see who's maybe available in trade. I know there's rumors. <laughs> you know I'm not big on this. And we all know the Packers wouldn't do it, but some Packer fans are into it. But just because it's the only thing that comes to the forefront of my mind right now, there are rumors 
with the chaos that's going on with the Jets, Adam Gase never wanted Le'Veon Bell. He wanted uh, he wanted Matt Paradis. Well, the GM decided he's not going to pay Matt Paradis, but he is going to go out and get Le'Veon Bell. Well, there's some talk, even though they paid him a bunch of money, if they can find the right partner, Adam Gase, the new interim GM, will is willing to trade Le'Veon Bell. Again, as insane as that seems, that would be, you know, something. It's about even money this year, but his, his cap goes way. I mean, it's just, again, Packers are never going to do this, nor should they. We're talking about in 2020, a $15.5 million running back. That's insane. You know, let's, let's explore it for a minute. Some people that could be trade. Let's see. Um, I think there's a lot of running backs. Uh, Leonard Fournette, for example, but that's sort of got a bunch of negative issues in its in and of itself. It seems like he's not a great... I don't know. He he's, he's, doesn't have a lot of self-control. Uh, Duke Johnson, I know, with the Browns. Let me pull up the Google machine here. Again, I, I, I don't know that we really need or want to do anything with the running backs. We've got three. I think the Packers are comfortable with three as long as we've got some practice squad guys. I do think a Duke Johnson brings a different dynamic. I also don't know, however, if LaFleur has any interest in a sort of one-dimensional kind of back like Duke Johnson that's primarily just a passing down guy. Oh, I like this one. Here's a question, I guess, for the uh, the Packernet Facebook group, and if you don't have it, I guess hit me up on Twitter. Would you be willing to trade Mike Daniels? And I know we all love Mike Daniels, but let's just assume he's kind of on the way out anyways. I guess you don't have to. You can assume nothing and just answer the question however you feel like. But we have to assume there's at least a, a good chance they're going to be moving on from him. Would you be willing to trade if they were so inclined, which there are rumors that this was a possibility, Mike Daniels for A.J. Green? The guy's 30 years old, so it's about the same age. A.J. Green, I don't think, has really slowed down as a wide receiver at all. His uh, 2020 or 2019 cap hit is $15 million, which means we would probably, basically, we would have to give him a new contract. Now, I'll, I'll say, because there's kind of two things here. There's what would I do, and then there's what do I think the Packers would do. And we've already heard about how the Packers don't like to spend too much at one position. And you've got uh, you got Devontae already making a ton of money next year. His, his cap goes through the roof uh, in 2020. However, setting that aside, let's say it's like a, man, what would you do at 30 years old? Would you give him a three-year contract? I think you could do I think you could do three so long as the the guarantees burn up, which the Packers you know they're going to front load the guarantees anyways. They're going to give them a massive signing bonus, but I guess the signing bonus, well, see that's kind of a problem in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm j- just looking at his pro football focus grade. The guy is the only year he had that you could even call not great was his rookie year in 2011. They gave him a 72 overall grade. Since then he's had four very good years and three elite years. The last two years, he's been graded as very good. Now, nobody really talks about him because he's a Bengal, and his, his quarterback is Andy Dalton. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand we have wide receivers. I understand there are some expectations, but I don't think there's anybody. I would be surprised if anybody has an expectation that any of our wide receivers are going to be at the level of A.J. Green. And I know if it's a trade, A.J. Green doesn't really have much say in how this all works, but as we've seen and I don't think A.J. Green's this kind of a guy. He seems more like a quiet. He doesn't seem like somebody's going to say, I refuse to play there, or I want a contract, or else I'm not playing, whatever. But there needs to be conversations with A.J. Green prior to, to to work out a contract beforehand. I think a two-year deal would be ideal. It's just it's kind of hard to, to work it out so that you can stretch the money out, but you don't want him to play too long. Either way, though, I mean, the, the absolute best-case scenario is a one-year deal. Just take him for his $15 million. I, I don't even know if that's the best. I mean, financially, that's the best-case scenario because as Devontae's contract goes up, you just dump A.J. Green. But I don't want A.J. Green for a year, man. This, let's just lock him up for three years. 
Again, I, I don't see any slide in his production whatsoever. I shouldn't say production. I don't see any slide in his abilities. He's, he's basically a 1,000-yard receiver every year, again, with Andy Dalton. Last year, he only had 694 yards, but that was only in, in nine games. If you take that over 16 games, that's 1,200 yards. His, his total stats, uh, if you take it over 16 years, would be 1,200 yards and uh, nearly 11 touchdowns, 10.6 touchdowns. I mean, you you would have two top 10 wide receivers on the team. Again, I, I doubt they're going to do it because the Packers want to stick with their guys. They don't want to pay the wide receiver. I'm I'm just exploring it for myself, what I do it, and I'm curious, would you do it? You could always play the safe route and say, well, the Packers aren't going to do it because they're smart, so I'm just going to sound smart and say that I wouldn't do it. But being honest, that's tough to turn down. And, and again, I'll, I'll take Mike Daniels every day, but if you're telling me we're going to get rid of him, you know, the, the question is, which is hurt or helped more? How much worse off is our defensive line compared to how much better off is our wide receiver group? How much worse off is our defense compared to how much better off is our offense? I still think we have a pretty good defensive line. Mike Daniels is a massive piece, but I still think we have a pretty good defensive line. The wide receiver group? Man, oh man. That's crazy. Ideally, they'd be dumb enough to take Jimmy Graham, but I don't think that's going to happen. And yeah, it doesn't have to be Mike Daniels. I guess we could just say, would you be willing to trade somebody for A.J. Green, or is it just a no, I don't want him, period? Here's another player to think about. It's another one that kind of seems iffy, but just think about it. Just stop for a second and think about it. Supposedly, this guy hasn't been hanging out at practice, and some of the old school guys on this team, not super happy about that. Not practice, but the workouts, the, you know, the ones that are voluntary, but if you don't do it, you're kind of being a jerk, and your team doesn't like that very much. Because, I mean, obviously, you need to show up and be with your team when you need to be there. Let me read another little blurb about him here. He was also a distraction in 2018 and didn't play up to his exceptional ability. He should be a cornerstone of this franchise, but it's also not outside the realm of, the, of possibility that this coach decides he should get everything he can for a player scheduled to be a free agent in two years. And don't forget, this team already has an elite player at the same position. The person I'm talking about is cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Now, here's the thing with Jalen Ramsey. This is a different kind of deal. A.J. Green is, is basically swapping two 30- to 31-year-old guys. Right? They're both at the end. We're just swapping them. They're both probably going to get paid, let's just call it too much money. Mike Daniels is going to get a new contract. It's going to be a big money contract, probably. A.J. Green will probably get a bunch of money, but whatever. Jalen Ramsey's 24 years old. His current cap hit is $7.4 million, and he's got a fifth-year option next year for $13.7 million. Now, the biggest problem with this is the cap issues are going to arise once Jair wants a contract and once some of these other guys want a contract. But we're talking about, and I don't know that it even matters that much, as valuable as cornerback is. Actually, Jair doesn't even need a contract until like 2023, so that's not an issue at all. We're talking about a 22-year-old Jair Alexander, a 24-year-old Jalen Ramsey, with Kevin King and Josh Jackson mixed in. Also, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos around the backside of this. I, th I think I can say pretty confidently, even though he didn't meet or, or quite get to the expectation, and really it was just one really elite year with two pretty good years mixed in, right? His rookie year and last year were kind of the same. So you got to worry about that a little bit as far as how good is he really. But if we're talking about Mike Daniels for Jalen Ramsey, I, I think I say yes to that 10 times out of 10 just for the sake of the age, right? I mean, Mike Daniels is, is going to be gone next year. Jalen Ramsey could be a top corner in the league for, what, six more years? I mean, I, again, I don't know if he's going to be a top corner, period, but we've seen him be a top corner. 
So yeah, that would be a definite yes for me. Anyways, I'm going to jump off this train because I found a bunch more names and I'm not going to play with that right now. I just want to look at some of the other possible uh, people that could be cut, probably won't be, don't want them to be, but what implication that will have on 2020 and, and the money it could save us and why maybe it's something to think about. But I'll take a short little break and then we'll jump back in. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, speed round time. First person I want to talk about that is not super talked about, but I heard it yesterday, and it seems a little ridiculous because it probably is, and I think it largely comes from people not really understanding the Packers all that well, but it's the question of what if Elton Jenkins is good enough and we have enough talent at other positions. For example, we have Billy Turner, and let's say we really like Lane Taylor, and also we have Cole Madison. Is there any possibility whatsoever that Elton Jenkins comes in and replaces Corey Lindsley? Now, my honest answer, I would say yes in the long term, not in the short term. And even if they did like him, there's no way they're going to get rid of Corey Lindsley at 27 years old. Um, But anyways, if in that were to happen, it would not only save us $3.15 million this year, it would save $10.5 million next year. That's the kind of thing where everybody's saying, oh, Packers, what are you going to do? You're paying Aaron Rodgers a ton of money. It's like, dude, I don't even care. We've got more than enough money. $10.5 million is a lot. So, again, that's not going to happen. Will we extend him beyond 2020? Uh, I don't know. He'd be 30 years old. I'm assuming at that point we're looking for a long-term solution. And, and again, Elton Jenkins maybe could be the long-term center. But that's something to explore after the 2020 season or possibly during the 2020 season, whatever. we got to at least see what Elton Jenkins looks like. And the entirety of our offensive line, for that matter. There's also Mr. Lane Taylor himself. I think this one's even more likely for pretty obvious reasons. Now, it doesn't save quite as much money, but Lane Taylor, as I've said, is, is he's, he's okay. Maybe I've been a little too harsh on him, considering you look around the league and you see how terrible some of the guards are. He's definitely better than a good portion of the guards out there in the NFL, but he's just, he's just kind of okay. Now, again, same situation. We brought in a bunch of guys. Elton Jenkins, if, if Elton Jenkins is... Here's the thing. If, if we know Brian Balaga is going to be playing right tackle. Maybe not super long-term, but he's going to play it this year. We know Billy Turner's going to play because we played him, and we, because we paid him a ton of money, and we know that um, Elton Jenkins is probably going to play because we just drafted him in the second round. What does that leave us with Lane Taylor? I don't think it's that unlikely. Now, again, we're talking about a pre-June 1. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. So I, I, I guess what we'll do is we'll look at both. If, if we cut him prior to June 1st, which is coming up pretty rapidly... Um, and again, I don't expect that to happen. Also, it would probably be more of a trade candidate than a cut candidate, but, you know, that obviously takes two to tango. 
But if we were to cut them prior to June 1st, it would save us three point, uh, excuse me, $1.975 million, so about $2 million this year. It would save us nearly $6 million in 2020. Again, that's a lot of money. For a guy that's probably not even going to be playing in 2019 or 2020, aside, I mean, I, I love him as a backup. I don't want a $6 million backup. If this comes after June 1st, it's a $3.35 million uh, savings this year, which is nice, but again, what are we doing with it? Next year, it's a $1.375 million cap hit. Now, that still saves us $4.5 million, which is great. You know, it's, it's again, $3.35 million this year, $4.5 next year is essentially what it would be. Again, the way my mind works, I would rather do it pre-June 1st, but I understand we, we need to see the situation first. We don't want to be too crazy with it. Plus, there's always injuries and everything else. It'd be nice to have Lane Taylor. You don't want to cut him because, oh, we'll be fine, and let's see if we can scratch out $4 million bucks. And then Elton Jenkins goes down with a busted ankle and we got nothing left. But it's an option. Um, somebody that's sort of an option but isn't supposed to be in this conversation, but it's something to talk about is Mr. Mason Crosby. He's a free agent next year. Um, obviously, I would like to keep him forever, but he's nearly a $5 million kicker at 34 years old. Something to think about. Anyways, I guess I th- that's it. I-, I grabbed a bunch of guys, but they're all free agents next year. There might be others, but you know, some of them are very low salary. Some of them don't really matter as far as the salary implications. Obviously, there's plenty of people that are going to be getting cut, and not all of them are just going to be uh, undrafted free agents. We're going to see some veterans get cut. But anyways, i got to get going, uh, get packed up and whatnot. I hope you folks enjoy your Saturday. I will be back tomorrow, coming to you live from the Paducah, Kentucky studios, from the the Waffle House studios in Paducah, Kentucky. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.